today's reading is from Luke chapter 10, and it's verse 25 through to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, well, who who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, 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 denarius, however you say that, and then gave, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man, <clears throat> the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Amazing. Thank you, Sam. Um, Amazing. Well, um, for those of you I don't know, uh, my name's Andy. Um, Together with Dizzy and my wife, we are the pastors here at Christ Church, and it's our great delight, really, to welcome you here um, on this day. We you know the baptism's a really special moment, and uh, we thought that we'd just continue on with our sermon series. So over these coming weeks, we have, uh, we're looking at seven practices or priorities, if you like, um, around what Christian community or what the Christian church um, should be like, what they should look like. Um, and my hope is that when we, we look at these seven things, um, what they will do is we kind of adopt these practices and these priorities into our lives. Um, they will put us in a place as a Christian, as a church, um, where um, the Lord, God will fill us with his spirit and, and pour out his joy, will give us joy, and uh, will enable us to live um, life to the full. Jesus said that he came to give us life and life to the full. So our, our hope and our prayer is as we look at some of these things, that the Holy Spirit will start to outwork that in us, that we will start to experience the fullness of life that is in, on offer in Christ. And so last week, um, we looked at the Sabbath and, and how uh, God has not designed us to work seven days a week um, that hurry, the hurried kind of life that we've adopted or our culture kind of impresses on us is not how we were designed to live. And so I was encouraging us last week to um, take a day of rest, to delight in the Lord, to delight in our friendships, and to delight in creation. 
Um, so I'm not going to go into much more of that, but we have a website. The talk is up on the website. Have a listen to that. And we really hope that you know, adopting that priority or that practice will be something that will bring you joy, bring you closer to God. Today, what we're looking at um, is hospitality. Um, and I won't go through the other five. You know, come back in the coming weeks. You'll hear all of them better. In, uh, we're going to look at hospitality. And it felt like on a service like today where we are welcoming uh, Florence and Max into the community of faith. Um, you know, with this uh, bring and share lunch that we talked about. For me, it was like this is a really... A significant thing we do as a church that after we have this meal, because often what happens is the baptism families go off in different directions and celebrate together. But what, we're, what we want to adopt as a church, if you're on board with this, is to um, have a meal afterwards where we celebrate and welcome the children and the people um, that make that commitment by going through baptism. And so we want to have a look then, what does um, hospitality mean? What does it look like to be outworked in the life of the church and of the Christian? And there are, there's a very clear de- definition of what hospitality is when you look through the Bible. So there's a couple of passages of Scripture that I'd love to point your attention to before we hit um, the Good Samaritan, that famous passage. So Romans 12, verse 13, Paul writes, Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. 1 Timothy 3, verse 2, Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. Hebrews 13, verse 1 to 3, keep on loving one another another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some of you have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if yourselves were suffering. 1 Peter 4, verse 8 and 9, says this, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. (laughs) Easier said than done, isn't it? Particularly if they don't bring anything. Each of you should... That's a joke. (laughs) Joke. It is that awkward thing, though, isn't it? Do we bring something? Do we not? They said don't bring something, and then you're like... Anyway, I could go into that, but that's a whole other sermon that is not based on the Bible at all. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And in each of these scriptures, each of these little passages in the Bible, the same word, the same Greek word is used um, there. And the word is, I'm not going to pronounce it correctly, but you'll get the sentiment. It's philiozenos, philiozenos, um, which is translated as love for strangers. Philiozenos, love for strangers. And so it's the opposite if you like, of xenophobia, which you often hear in the news, defined as the dislike or the fear or the prejudice against people from other countries or people who are just different from us. And so this word in the Greek, xenos, means love for strangers, love for someone who's different than us and we don't No, it's a very different definition, I suppose, of hospitality that you may think of. Hospitality for you, the first thing that might come to your mind is having your mates over, um, eating loads of food and making sure there's loads of food and lots of drink and everyone has a wonderful time. The biblical definition is something very different indeed and something that I would like us as a church, as Christ Church Feltham, um, to be known for in this town, a church that demonstrates godly hospitality. You know, Jesus did this a lot Um, He also got a bad reputation for it. So we read in the Bible that um, 
It was said of him, the son of man came eating and drinking. And they said of him, he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But we see this as the marker of Jesus' ministry. Um, that he prioritized the sick, the lost, those whom society had, had put on the margins or had forgotten or hated, like the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And, and, and he made it his business to say to anyone that would listen to him that he came not for the healthy, not for the in crowd, but for the sick. And so I guess I want to um, impress on us today as a church, and if you're here just visiting, to possibly impress on you that hospitality uh, for the Christian should look remarkably different than maybe what we thought of it before. It's not just having your friends over, and that is a good thing to do, and I would encourage it. That is life-giving and an excellent thing to do. But hospitality in a biblical sense is something altogether different. And so I want to speak of hospitality as a practice or priority of, C, of Christ Church. And I'm, what I'm talking about, um, really, is demonstrating loving friendship, support, care, prayer, mercy to those who are in need and for those who are different from us. And this type of hospitality that I'm speaking of is um, costly. It's deep. It, it, it's not the easy road. I often think, um, when we first came to uh, Feltham a year ago now, um, is that I, I didn't want us to grow a church um, that were basically people that Dizzy and I, that looked a lot like Dizzy and I, and were interested in the same thing as Dizzy and I, and all that kind of stuff, because that would say to us that we haven't demonstrated hospitality. Hospita- if, if a church is demonstrating hospitality, then we should see the diversity of all humanity in our churches. And so that's what we are aiming at. This is what we're thinking of when we think of hospitality. And if we look at Jesus' life and how he went about stuff, his hospitality took many different styles. It was often eating and drinking. But we read through the scripture, it was concerned with healing the sick. Um, It was about championing the the person who's the outcast, caring for those in need, making uh, friends with the social outcast, speaking of his kingdom and inviting people to be part of it. And for him, it took, it took the form of friendship or financial help or prayer or mercy or forgiveness. And it always involved asking the question, how can I help? And that needs to be one of the first things we come to as a church. How can I help? I've been watching this TV series called New Amsterdam. Has anyone seen it on Amazon Prime? Yeah, I mean, excellent. There's two of you. And the rest of you, that means you've got a wonderful amount of TV to catch up on because it's great. But there's this doctor, Max Goodwin, who takes on the medical, he's the medical director. And the first thing that he does when he goes into the hospital is he asks, and a really corny, almost, it seemed like patronizing, but it turns out he's a really genuine guy. I really love him now after all the time I've spent with him. LAUGHTER a real genuine question where he says to his staff and all those around, how can I help? And it's kind of captured me a little bit because I think hospitality is not one that makes assumptions about what a person needs. You know, oh, I can see your situation. This is what you need. Um, Hospitality involves, uh, is costly in the sense that it involves time spent listening, looking, and then responding. And it could be that this takes a long period of time where you look and you listen and you respond. 
And we see this in Jesus, that Jesus loved um, people, and, and his love for people crossed every line. It included everyone. It didn't matter for Jesus um, who you are, what you've done, who you identify as. Jesus would have either invited you to come and eat with him, or he would have invited himself over to yours to eat with you, if you look at the example of Zacchaeus. And, and, and I think this should be true of our church that our our loving welcome must be extended to all people, regardless of sexuality, race, demographic, marital status, and the list goes on. This definition of hospitality, it it pushes against nationalism. Um, It names discrimination and prejudice that we see in our society, both conscious and unconscious. It, It makes us a people that stands out and looks, sounds, and acts different. It is a commitment, isn't it? to not just welcoming people, but then journeying with these people, sometimes for many years with them, as as God kind of uses you to help them and form them into um, the being, the human that God created you to be. It begins with welcome, then it continues with this journey of formation, which I'm going to speak about in a couple of weeks' time. And I don't want you to hear this you know, what I'm saying here is like a critique of you and how you behave and how we behave at Christchurch. I want you to hear it as an encouragement. It is a wonderful and vital opportunity that we have here in Felton to love our neighbors well, to be known, actually. I've always, I've always hoped that we would have a reputation in Felton as people, as a church who loves its town deeply. And the church does have a bad reputation in some parts of the world for, for its, its judgment and its exclusion, and many have been hurt by the church. Um, and, and you yourself may have been hurt by the church. But thankfully, the story is not always bad. There are stories of how the church has demonstrated real godly hospitality, and it tra- transformed lives. I don't know if you remember, a couple of weeks back, um, we had Neve. Um, who's a member of our congregation, isn't here today, but she, she led our prayers. And uh, I saw on Facebook um, yesterday, the day before, that she was celebrating five years um, of being a family with Chiron. Um, and she had adopted Chiron five years previously, and, and she welcomed him into his family. And there's these beautiful pictures of him and her as a family. And then she got up, and she let, helped us to, to think about what does demonstrating hospitality in terms of adoption and fostering, what does that look like for us as a church, as Christ church? Considering that 40,000 children are, are, are taken into care every single year. And they are in desperate need of a loving home. What does it look like for Christchurch to be a people who adopt or support those who do adopt? It is a form of hospitality. And there's so many opportunities. You know, we think about the world that we, we live in. There are so many opportunities for us to be um, people of hospitality who make it their business to be kind um, to love and to welcome. We know in our area um, that single-parent homes are on the rise. And so we want to be a community that welcomes them in. We know that homelessness is on the rise. In this area, um, because we're so close to the, um, the airport, um, there are many of those who are, who, who are refugees. Um, we have a prison on our doorstep. 
the prisoner and the ex-offender. I know that there are, some, there are some opportunities for us to help some ex-offenders living in this area to integrate back into society and to find a home. There's the sick and the poor and the lonely. You know, this week um, I got sent an article about the epidemic of, of loneliness that, that our society, our culture is experiencing. Uh, it, it, is, it, is, it is staggering how many, if some people in here, that may be your story that you are desperately lonely. Work has, um, has taken over your life. You don't have time for the relationships you long for. I, 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 there was a critique made, uh, was some feedback made to me uh, a couple of times actually, was how Christchurch, um, and not deliberately, but, but somehow it become got this reputation of being a little bit coupley. We're only a year in. And uh, for someone who doesn't have family or is single, um, they feel like it's very hard to break into this community. If that's you, gosh, I, I, I took that to heart. I'm so sorry. That is not the type of church we want to be. The type of church where it doesn't matter who you are, what you, what your marital status or whatever, for you to be part of our community. And I'm committed to making that not be our story. So hospitality for those who are lonely comes in the form of friendship. Those who are hurting comes in the, in the form of care, and the list goes on. There are lots of practical things that we can do. In this passage, so let, me, let me speak on this passage quickly. The passage that Sam read is, is a famous one, the, great, um, the Good Samaritan, and the helpful challenge when it comes to what it looks like for us to show true, godly, Jesus-like hospitality. So I'm going to read it through again, and then I'm going to just draw out a couple of things and then um, pull out some, some conclusions, I suppose, and then give us a moment um, to reflect, what does this mean for me um, today, and what could that mean for us as a church? So on one occasion, expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? Classic Jesus. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then in Matthew, Jesus, he says this, and he says that the laws in the Old Testament, there's all those laws in the Old Testament, they're all met in these two commandments, to love God and to love others. This is, this is kind of the summary of what we're about as a church, to love God and to love others. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live. And then he wanted to justify himself. So, all right, who's my neighbor? He was hoping that you know, he could get, get himself off the hook. Who's my neighbor? He was saying, your bestie, your BFF. And he'd be like, yes, I do that already. I'm great. Um, but then Jesus, as he always does, he answers in the form of a story, in the, story, in, in the form of a parable. And, and so in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jericho, uh, sorry, Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, this road um, it has had a reputation in the day. It's been an incredibly dangerous road. It was often known, it was called the way of blood um, because uh, it was, this stretch was so treacherous. Um, there was a strong chance, if you were traveling by yourself, that you could be robbed and hurt just as this man was. And uh, so it, it, it was, it, actually, you'd look at this, and, and some people might have looked at this man who'd been attacked, like, well, you shouldn't have been traveling by yourself, and started that rhetoric of, well, you brought this on yourself. I mean, how often do we do that when we see someone that's in trouble? So we're like, well, if you hadn't done that, hadn't done that, well, I'm not helping you because you, this is your own trouble. And so this pushes back on that immediately. And when he, uh, attacked, when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. So this guy was in dire help and left alone. In all likelihood, he would die. 
And then we have the priest and the Levite who, who walked past. The priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side of the road. Priest and a Levite. God's people. And so for the priest and for the Levite, the, there was a real risk that this man was dead. And therefore, if they had helped this man, they would have rendered themselves ritually unclean, which was like a, a too great a cost to, um, to, 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 to carry. And so they, they avoided him. Or it might have been that they thought he was faking it and, and actually just trying to rob him. And so, again, the cost was too great. Or they may have done, um, which I know that I've been guilty of doing before, just judged that person, stood kind of wagging the finger. It's like, you know, you... You did this yourself. You did this to yourself. Sort it out yourself. Whatever it might be. The, the priest and the Levite, the people who you'd expect to help, walked on the other side of the road. Then there's the Samaritan. And, and uh, this, it's, I think it's significant that Jesus picks the Samaritan to talk about because the Samaritans were hated by the Jews. These guys couldn't do anything right. And then Jesus paints this guy as the hero. As he traveled, he came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He took pity on him. And then what did he do? He went above and beyond. He went to him, he bandaged up his wounds, he poured on oil and wine, and then uh, put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii. <laughs> me too, Sam. Uh, <laughs> it's like, don't look at me when you looked at me. I look at you, I don't denarii, whatever it is. And, and that, 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 that equates to kind of two days' wages. So that would be over kind of 200 pounds, I suppose, in this day's currency as an average. And he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return... I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So he took mercy on him, took him, he looked after him, and then he gave more again. And then Jesus asked the, the, the expert in the law, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. The one who had mercy on him. A wonderful example of godly, Jesus-like hospitality shown by not the priest or the Levites, but the Samaritan man. And this demonstration of hospitality was costly and it was messy and it was an outworking of love for the stranger. And then in summary to this, this teaching, this parable, Jesus says, and he says it to us as well, go and do likewise. Go and do Likewise. So here's the question. Here's the thing that I want us to ponder when it comes to um, Christ's church. Felton, why should we go and do likewise? Why should we have this be a marker of our lives? Godly hospitality. And the reason for me is this. Because at one, man, I'm like having a crazy emotional day today. It must be the baptism. <laughs> I think there's this moment where you kind of struck at the goodness of the gospel, the love of God that it kind of undoes you a set for a second. Um, <laughs> just, I'm okay. Because, I'm pressed on because I was the man on the road. And at one stage, for those of you who call yourself a Christian, you were that person on the road. It might be that you identify as the person 
by the road. And this Jesus, he didn't walk past. He wasn't like the priest or the Levite. He was like the Samaritan. He didn't walk past and ignore our needs. He didn't reject us when he saw the mess we're in. He didn't stand in judgment of the mess that we've made. But he, Jesus, was the one who, who walked up to us. He's the initiator. Make no mistake about it. He is the one that comes to us. He came to us. He lifts us up. He puts us on his donkey. He takes us to the hospital, takes us to the inn. He pays the debt that we should have been paying with his own life. And he brought about our healing and our forgiveness and our life. God himself has demonstrated hospitality to us. And so our responsibility then as Christian is to demonstrate that love that we've received to others, to be people who outwork the gospel. To say there, there is no lines, there are no cultural kind of boundaries that prevent you from the love of God. We will love you because we have been loved. We are loved. We will demonstrate hospitality because we are people who have received hospitality from God himself. The heart of the gospel is this, that we were the stranger. Remember the definition of hospitality. We were the stranger and God loved you. And he welcomes you in and he brings you home and he, he, he loves you Completely. Just reflect. I encourage you to listen to um, this, the testimony that Jake and Kaylee shared. We had a little interview two weeks ago on the podcast. And every time I hear that story, I'm reminded, you're at the end of your rope. And it's in that moment the Lord comes and he lifts you up, puts you on his donkey, pays the price that you could never pay and gives you life. And everything changes from that fullness of life is yours through what Jesus did on the cross. And so we, in a sense, are paying it forward. We're not coming up with this idea of hospitality. It's something that overflows out of us because of the love that's been poured into us by the Holy Spirit and what Jesus has done on the cross. And so my hope, my prayer for us is that we become a church that is marked by godly hospitality. That we aren't a church that grows up into more people that look and sound a lot like us but that I'll have the great privilege as I preach of looking out across and seeing the diversity of heaven sat in this, in the, in this place as we extend godly, gospel-centered hospitality to the people that come. So in view of the mercy and the love and the grace that's been demonstrated into your life, here's my question. I want to give you like just, just a couple of minutes. You've got a book or a pen or a phone or something like that, I think. I think it's one of those things where you start to think about what could this look like in my life? What could this look like in our church? Um, and then we'll start to put these things into practice. That's what we're calling the four kind of the seven practices, right? We're not, they are things that we want to do together. Hospitality is one of those things. So I'm going to give you just a couple of moments just to think and to pray and to note down some ideas. And it might be that, you know, you, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian here today, and that's it's, it was so nice having you here, and thank you for uh, enduring 25 minutes with me. I know it's been 25 minutes because I'm coming down to my final 10 seconds, which I feel pretty proud of, actually, because I never come close to hitting my time limit. Um, but it might be that you, you, you don't... You don't subscribe to the faith, but you like the idea of hospitality, and that might be a starting point for you. So why don't we take a moment, take five minutes, um, with maybe with the person you sat next to, or maybe by yourself, 
and use this as a moment to, to brainstorm, prayerfully brainstorm um, what godly hospitality could look like for you. And then we want to start hearing those ideas because it might be something you do out of your home. It might be something we do here as a church. It might be something we do, um, you know, it might be that we start inviting ourselves over to people's houses with muffins and cookies. I made good cookies. I learned that yesterday. Um, Anyway, enough talking. I could keep going. I do that. And then I've ruined my 25 minutes. Um, So uh, take take five minutes or so. Maybe if we could have a little tune on. uh, And then Luke's going to come and lead us in a final song of worship or two. Um, go.